This message comes from NPR sponsor LiveRight, publishers of Left for Dead. Shipwreck, treachery, and survival at the edge of the world by Eric J. Dolan. The true story of five castaways abandoned on the Falkland Islands during the War of 1812. Available wherever books are sold. Today on State of the World, life in Gaza under intense shelling and a communications blackout. Thanks for listening to State of the World from NPR. We bring you the day's most vital international stories up close where they're happening. It's Monday, October 30th. I'm Greg Dixon. Israel has launched a new phase in its war against Hamas, sending troops into Gaza and increasing the intensity of attacks from the air. This is in response to Hamas's attack on Israel October 7th, in which 1,400 people were killed and more than 200 were taken hostage. Israeli bombardment has already killed more than 8,000 in Gaza, and that number is likely to grow. As the assault intensified Friday night, internet and phone service out of Gaza went down for an extended period. NPR's Jerusalem correspondent Daniel Estrin was waiting to hear from one voice. Hey, Daniel. I finally heard from NPR producer Anas Baba in Gaza on Saturday night. I just put myself in danger in order just to get some internet near to the borders. I can't stay there much more. Baba took a risk. He went close to the Israeli border to connect to an Israeli cell phone network to tell me what was happening. Gaza was still in a near-complete communications blackout. Israel won't say if that was deliberate. The Palestinian service provider says Israel's bombardments knocked out the network. I needed to understand what's happening around me. For a journalist, not for a normal citizen, my mind was going to melt trying to understand what exactly is happening. On Saturday, he went to Gaza City, the area that's come under heavy bombardment. Palestinian officials say more than a 1,000 people were killed this weekend, including extended families. Rescue crews didn't know where to go, and people couldn't call them to direct them to the wounded. Baba saw horrific scenes of Palestinians who had tried to flee to safety on foot. Hundreds of them were not lucky. They died in the streets, injured in the streets, cried and screamed for help. And no one was listening. No one could have helped. Baba says it's getting harder to move around Gaza now to see what's happening. Gas for driving is running low. Roads are covered in rubble. He started getting around by horse carts, but now can't find any horse cart drivers anymore. He walked for miles through his home, Gaza City. This is not my city. I cannot even realize what street it is. I only can smell death. Dead body under the rubbles. Nothing the same. Nothing is the same. All the supermarkets are empty. There is no drinking water. Today I spent four hours looking for just like 20 kilos of wheat or flour in order to bake my family some bread. And I couldn't. Yes, Daniel. Everything is getting worse and worse. I tried my best today. Basic necessities are dwindling. Nearly three dozen trucks of food, water, and medicine made it into southern Gaza from Egypt. That's the most that have come in a single day. But aid officials say it's not nearly enough. Daniel, I'm so sorry, but I need to just, like, evacuate the area. You know, the, pro- the, the crossing, the F-16, the artillery, everything is going insane here. I need to evacuate. Bye, bye, bye. There's not going to be internet. Maybe tomorrow. Bye. 34 hours after the communications blackout, the phone signal came back in Gaza. And so did our producer. Hey, Daniel. When the reception totally came back, I heard a lot of people screaming from happiness. 
shouting with a lot of slogans that finally we are back. But the most catastrophical, when you hear the stories of some of the people who are still trying to reach some of their beloved, and the answer was that the mobile is shut down or turned off. Some of them they lost their beloved, their families, their friends. This morning, Anas Baba called me to say he saw an Israeli tank and bulldozer on the eastern edge of Gaza City, driving on Saladin Road, the main road. That could mean Israeli troops are closing in on the city. That's NPR's Daniel Estrin with voice memos he received from Gaza producer Anas Baba over the weekend. Another group was frantically searching for news during that internet blackout. Thousands of workers from Gaza who are trapped in the West Bank and can't go home. And pairs Alyssa Nadwerney visited a military university where many of them are staying. At a university campus in the Palestinian city of Jericho, laundry hangs from the windows, men lounge on mattresses pushed up against the wall, scrolling for news from Gaza. There are communal sinks and an impromptu barber shop where you can get a shave and a trim if you join the wait list. It's a makeshift camp, home to more than 400 workers from Gaza. They sleep in rooms filled with bunk beds. When we visit, they tell us, all we want is to go home, to Gaza. These men are among the nearly 20,000 people from Gaza that had permits to work in Israel. Many of them work in restaurants or retail or as construction workers. For the last year, Walid has worked in construction near Tel Aviv. He usually stays at an apartment there for two weeks at a time. We're not using his last name because he's afraid for his safety. After Hamas militants crossed into Israel and killed 1,400 people, Walid was among the workers from Gaza who were unable to return home. And tell us a little bit about that day, October 7th. For you, what was that like? What happened? He says on the morning of October 7th, his Jewish employer called him on the Sabbath, which he never does, and said, be careful, don't leave your apartment. This war will be dangerous for you. A few days later, Israel revoked work permits for people from Gaza. So Elid stayed inside for a week. He didn't leave. He ran out of food. His wife called him. She'd been worried about him being in Israel. Israeli authorities did detain thousands of workers from Gaza, some of them violently, according to an Israeli human rights group. Walid got a visit from police. He suspects a neighbor heard him speaking Arabic. He didn't answer the door. He pretended to be asleep. He says he was afraid and began to shiver. He worried about his children. His daughter wants to be a doctor. She's in her first year at university. The money he sends home from work in Israel helps pay for her tuition. But the police went away, and then his employer called. Come down into the street. I'll wait for you there, he said. Walid got into his employer's car and made it to the West Bank, which is under Israeli occupation, but where the Palestinian Authority has some local control. That's where thousands of workers from Gaza have taken refuge. They're estimated to be about 1,500 here in Jericho. (laughs) 
At the university, leaders leaned on other workers to process all this loss of their livelihood, some their family members, many their homes. Ibrahim Afrani's family survived Israeli airstrikes while seeking cover at a playground. He's from northern Gaza and had a permit to work in Israel at a store stocking vegetables. He told us through our producer, who interpreted, that there are no buildings left in his neighborhood. He had a video, but it disturbed him too much that he deleted it. He didn't want to see it anymore. It was too disturbing for him to see it, so he deleted it. watching it over and over again? He watched it four or five times, and then he was like, I'm going to delete it, and he deleted it. My uh, mental state of mind is destroyed. I'm in a very bad place right now. Alfrani has nearly two dozen nieces and nephews, and he gets overwhelmed thinking about all those children going through this trauma right now. Israeli bombardments have killed more than 8,000 people in Gaza. What's her name? Leanne. Leanne? Leanne Orazan. Alfrani scrolls through his phone, looking at photos of his two young daughters. They help him forget all the bad things that have happened in these last three weeks. My brother is missing, who also is a worker. His brother, who works in the north of Israel in a town called Nahariya, has been missing for 20 days. Alfrani last talked to him at 11.30 a.m. the day after the attack by Hamas. He hasn't heard from him since. The other workers staying with his brother told him the Israeli military came and detained him. According to human rights groups, thousands of workers have since gone missing and are thought to have been arrested by Israeli police. In the courtyard of the university, Basil Israel tells us even though he and the other men are safe here, they'd rather be home in Gaza. I am feeling in my house, but, but my heart, my mind, not here. His wife and five children are staying in Al-Shifa Hospital, where the UN estimates some 50,000 people are seeking refuge from Israeli airstrikes. He relishes every text message, every call, even if they are chilling. My son, his name Ali, I speak with him. Ali, how do you do? How are you? How do you find? Baba, uh, I'm okay. I am. But uh, do you know what I do? I told him, what do you do? Baba, I am right. My name in my hand now. He writes his name on his arm. Uh, why? I told him why. Maybe I am, I am killed. I want to be, you know, this, this young. I want them to know who I yeah, am when I die. Yeah. It's a big problem for him. What does it feel like for you yeah. on the other side of that phone call to hear that, but to be here? No, I want to be to go to Gaza. Yeah. If you can, to put me your baggage. <laughs> if you can. I want to die with my children. I am father. But now my children was out father. For 48 hours this weekend, Israel didn't hear from his family. Nearly everyone in Gaza was without a cell or internet connection. But then earlier today, he finally got them on the phone. And for now, everyone is okay. Listen Adwarni, NPR News in the city of Jericho in the West Bank. That's the state of the world from NPR. For more coverage of all sides of this conflict, go to npr.org slash updates. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. What does it mean to be Black in America? 
and NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as varied, nuanced, and dynamic as the Black experience. You'll hear it means everything. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts. Support for NPR and the following message come from Rosetta Stone, the perfect app to achieve your language learning goals no matter how busy your schedule gets. It's designed to maximize study time with immersive 10-minute lessons and audio practice for your commute. Plus, tailor your learning plan for specific objectives like travel. Get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off and unlimited access to 25 language courses. Learn more at rosettastone.com NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Viore, a new perspective on performance apparel. Clothing designed with premium fabrics, built to move in, styled for life. For 20% off your first purchase, go to viore.com NPR. 